Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, December 6th. Coming up, the Genesis School is back to business as usual after losing its charter earlier this year. But that loss raised larger questions about how to measure success at charter schools. Let's say you move them 1.5 grade levels in a year. So you did great work, but they still didn't get to grade level. We should be honoring that as well. What accountability looks like for schools that serve students with high needs. Plus, billions of pounds of food are wasted in the U.S. each year, including on farms. A federal program is working to connect farms with food pantries to prevent wasting food that has minor imperfections. We moved almost 10,000 pounds of apples off of their trees, and it covered their labor. But that product would have just had nowhere to go. But first, some headlines. Carla Esslinger, a Republican state senator from Wasola, will be Missouri's next top education leader. The State Board of Education announced yesterday Esslinger will take over from current Commissioner Margie Van Dieven in June. Van Dieven announced in October that she'll step down after serving more than seven years. Esslinger told board members that homeschoolers, private schoolers, and business leaders all want children to be successful. We can literally pull together all of our collective resources. By pulling together, we can achieve education programs that will meet the needs of all children. Esslinger originally worked as an elementary teacher before working her way up to serve as a superintendent in southwest Missouri. The Greater Kansas City Building and Construction Trades Council sent a letter yesterday urging the Jackson County Legislature to negotiate in good faith with the Kansas City Royals and Chiefs about potential new stadiums. KCUR's Savannah Holly Bates reports the unions want the sales tax supporting the stadiums to go on the ballot. The Building and Construction Trades Council represents nearly 20 area unions. The letter states that the conversation around the Royals and Chiefs has become, quote, intolerable. Ralph Oropesa, business manager of the council, says that if the teams move to Kansas, which has been rumored as negotiations stall, area unions would lose thousands of jobs in construction and maintenance and get worse wages. If that goes out the window, then potentially we're looking for people having to travel and go elsewhere to find those kind of jobs. Oropesa demands in the letter that the Jackson County legislators and executive Frank White Jr. work together to keep the teams in the county. A new report calls for beating back aggressive evergreen trees that are making Kansas wildfires worse. Celia Yopis jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. Eastern red cedars are spreading in Kansas grasslands and suburbs. A report by Governor Laura Kelly's Wildfire Task Force says when they catch fire on dry, windy days, these trees produce very tall flames that can spread fast. It's more intense than when fire hits a healthy prairie. Last year, a wildfire hit cedar-packed suburbs in Reno County, burning 6,000 acres, killing one person and destroying 36 homes. The task force recommends more resources to help communities remove the trees, including more training on using controlled fires to combat them. We'll be back after this.
The Genesis School has served at-risk students in Kansas City for decades, but it almost didn't open its doors this fall after the state revoked its charter earlier this year. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports, even though Genesis did reopen, the loss of the charter raised larger questions about what success and accountability looks like for charter schools who want to serve students with high needs. The Genesis School buzzed with excitement when students returned this fall, making their way through lines of fist bumps and welcoming cheers to get through the front door. That almost didn't happen. The school of around 200 students lost its charter earlier this year, and families left for summer break not knowing if they could return. Tequila Cunningham stayed on top of the news so she'd hear when and if the school where she sent her four kids would reopen. We like Genesis. We don't want to try to have to find another school to re-enroll and then especially trying to replace four kids somewhere else. The Missouri Charter Public School Commission cited low test scores that lagged behind Kansas City Public Schools when it voted in February to revoke Genesis School's charter. The school appealed, first to the state's Department of Education and then to a Cole County judge. The judge allowed the school's charter to be reinstated. But the question of what a charter school can be and who it serves remains. In 1998, when the state passed the charter school law, Genesis was one of the first schools that said we would like to take advantage of that and get public dollars to help us along the mission. That's Kevin Foster, the executive director of Genesis School. He said the school has been deeply embedded in the community serving at-risk youth since 1975. It got its start helping people get their high school diploma or equivalent. Genesis has since transformed from an alternative high school into a K-8 grade charter, keeping its original mission along the way. We have students who've chosen our school because they want the setting and the services that we provide to help them get some traction and grow. Three mental health professionals provide kids with individual and group therapy in the school's building. Students get free before and after school care through the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Kansas City. That's a big draw for many of the school's working parents, like Cunningham. Because like, I'm a single parent, so having before and after school is a good thing because they can all go and I don't have to worry about, okay, well, I got to hurry up and rush and get off work by this time so I can get them and stuff like that. Charter schools are supposed to be flexible. That's one of their main selling points. Noah Devine is executive director of Missouri Charter Public Schools Association. He said the trade-off for autonomy is a multi-layered process for accountability, including a sponsor that's in charge of holding them to their contract. Devine said sponsors can take schools' different populations into account when setting goals and expectations. It's working with them to be really precise of what are the goals that we're trying to meet on behalf of those children that are not a low standard, but are actually an appropriate standard. If charter schools don't meet those goals, Sponsors can place them on probation or decide not to renew their contract. It's rare for a school to lose its charter mid-contract, like Genesis did. Devine says charter's performance should be compared to the local school district. But he also says the state needs a better system to measure growth when students are extremely behind. Let's say you move them 1.5 grade levels in a year, so you did great work, but they still didn't get to grade level. We should be honoring that as well. Devine said what the community thinks is also essential. That's where Genesis says it's succeeding. Two-thirds of their original student population returned from last school year, and they have a waiting list of just over 20 students. Teresa Ward enrolled her two children at Genesis for the first time this year. 
At a back-to-school event in the fall, she said she was already amazed at her daughter's progress. She said her daughter, who has an individualized education plan and is nonverbal, was beginning to speak in full sentences. The fact that the teachers, the principals, and everybody in this community is involved and knows each student by who they are and what they need, I think that's the best part when it comes to Genesis. Not only does she think it's the best part, she says it's why she thinks Genesis will be a successful charter. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Jody Fortino. Over 100 billion pounds of food goes to waste every year in America, in kitchens, at grocery stores, and on farms. Now, a federally funded program is connecting Midwest farmers and food pantries in an effort to cut down on food waste. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm to Food Bank is now in 28 states, including Missouri. Kansas isn't part of the program. Peter Medlin reports funding for the initiative depends on Congress and what gets included in the next farm bill. I'm walking through the production hall at the Northern Illinois Food Bank, about an hour west of Chicago. In front of me, volunteers are packing up meals. Right now, we're working really hard on our holiday meal box program. Jacob Lamplow is the Food Bank's interim director of food procurement. Over the past few years, the Northern Illinois Food Bank has been able to provide a lot more local produce to residents, 400,000 pounds of food that otherwise would have nowhere to go. Peaches are the big one. We've had apples, and then we've even had things like squash, a bunch of different peppers. It's food farmers can't sell to supermarkets because it has a blemish, is a weird shape, or just not the right size. It's good food, it tastes the same, but it often rots away on farms because there's no market for them. Nationwide, the Farm to Food Bank program has moved millions of pounds of surplus food. It was authorized through the 2018 Farm Bill, and last year the USDA handed out more than $3 million to state agencies for Farm to Food Bank projects. Most states in the Midwest are taking part, including Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Missouri, and Michigan. Stacy Dean, Deputy Undersecretary for the USDA's Food and Nutrition Services, says they also hope to spark interest for states that aren't participating yet, such as Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. can't speak to the wise, but these are the breadbaskets of our country. And if they're leaving food, available food, unharvested that we could be using to feed vulnerable families, then let's work together to figure out a path forward. The Farm to Food Bank program is funded through the Farm Bill, which comes up for reauthorization every five years. Dean says this fall, funding briefly expired before the Farm Bill was extended for another year. Well, I think Farm to Food Bank was particularly vulnerable. And funding in the next Farm Bill isn't guaranteed. In Illinois, officials wanted stability for the program. So earlier this year, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a law establishing state funding. That makes Illinois pretty unique among farm-to-food bank states. Rogelis Gavuzo is with the Illinois Farm Bureau. And she says the state funding means the program will continue no matter what happens with the farm bill. And she says that allows farmers to feel more stable and diversify their products. Maybe we were afraid to grow broccoli because we didn't know the market was there or what happens if we can't move all of that or it's just not as pretty. Now we've created the secondary market to recover some of those potential losses. While farmers aren't paid full price for the food, they're able to cover their costs, including labor and transportation, and they don't have to see their food go to waste. We had a farm last week that was going to get hit by the frost with apples. We moved almost 10,000 pounds of apples off of their trees and it covered their labor. 
but that product would have just had nowhere to go if it hadn't been for this project. Rendleman Orchards is one of more than a dozen farms participating in Illinois' program. Wayne Searles is the owner and manager of the orchards in far southern Illinois, and he says with the help of other local farms, they sent out about a dozen semi-truck loads of produce this year. It's a win-win situation, not just for the customers of the food bank, but also for the farmers themselves. Now he knows a vegetable or fruit with a blemish won't get dumped. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Peter Medlin. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, based at KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Anna Schmidt, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Jody's story about the Genesis School and Peter's story about Farm to Food Bank, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news from around the Midwest from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.